look at their benefit package. What are they offering to help you succeed, you know, personally, financially? Welcome to the Veterinary Financial Podcast, where we discuss financial freedom and whole life success. I'm Meredith Jones, a veterinarian and financial planner. And I'm Willie Bidot, a lab animal specialist and a money nerd. This episode is sponsored by Care Credit, the popular third-party payment provider. They are also supporters of the Veterinary Financial Summit. Visit carecredit.com to learn more. Our guest today is Michael Natali. He is an LVT and he's a talent and acquisition and retention manager with Veterinary Emergency Group. Mike, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. So Mike, I'm going to start with a really kind of broad question. So could you tell us more about just how you got started in vet med in general, and then also a little bit about how you became interested in personal finance? Yeah, so I started all the way back when I was in high school. I worked in an animal hospital as a kennel assistant. And then shortly after high school, I did go off to college to become a vet tech. And during my time in college, it was interesting because they had us take this one course that basically helped set us up financially, professionally in the future. And in that one course, one of the tasks were to basically give yourself a budget on a realistic salary, which we were able to determine on our own and our professor would review it. I knew from people already saying this, but you know, you're not going to veterinary medicine for the money. It's not there. You'll probably be struggling your whole life, right? Lots of people hear that. So fast forward, I did my research. I asked some previous coworkers, you know, what should I really be using as a salary? And I got a fairly reasonable number. And my professor at the time laughed in my face and said, you'll never make that ever in your life. Moving forward, at that point on, I was determined to make that, if not more, because I do believe that, you know, utilizing all your resources, you can survive in this field on a vet tech salary. And you just really have to understand, you know, the benefits and the perks and what else is out there in the industry. So shortly after, I also did attend business school where I did take a variety of classes in finance, stuff like that. All right. Awesome. Awesome. So that said, you know, what would you say to a support staff member who may feel like they can't save for retirement? Yeah. So I actually hear that a lot from current coworkers. And I think the biggest thing is knowing what your company is providing as far as retirement. A lot of companies nowadays do offer some sort of retirement, typically a 401k or 403b or something similar. And those companies do match. So really trying to maybe put aside, you know, or build into your budget that a lot of money, where then your company is providing additional money to help save for the future. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Just out of curiosity, is there a percentage that you tell for anybody that's starting off? Yeah, so I do always recommend people looking or keeping an eye out for a minimum of 3%. I do know companies are going up to 5%, 7%, but, you know, minimum at least 3%. And then I also do recommend, you know, IRAs, Roth IRAs are really good as well. Mm-hmm. So that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that's come up on the podcast a few times of like, at least contribute up to the match because otherwise you're leaving money on the table. 
that yeah. the company would be you know, willing and perfectly yeah. happy to pay you. So Yeah, I always say it's free money if they're matching. So mm-hmm. give the minimum and they'll match the rest. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, we did have Kelly Cronin, who is also a vet tech on the podcast recently. And she pointed out something that I thought was really helpful where she was talking about that for vet technicians, in a way, because of how the tax brackets fall, contributing to retirement isn't necessarily as big of a hit. Of course, it depends Mm -hmm. on spouses and things like that, but isn't necessarily as big of a hit to your final paycheck once that money is taken out. Yeah. Great point. Great point. All right. And then what about buying a house? Because that's another thing that comes up and kind of a misconception out there. Because I've seen vet techs buy houses. And so I think there is a misconception out there that a vet tech can't buy a house. And so how would you speak to that? Yeah, so I've definitely heard that. I've definitely also been asked, like, you know, how do you do it? I was very fortunate enough. I did buy a house on my own, you know, as a vet tech as well. And don't get me wrong, Where I am, Long Island, super, super expensive, the housing market, especially right now with the interest rates and everything. But what I always recommend and what I encourage right out of school is really investing your money or saving a certain percentage of your money into a high yield savings or something like that. And what I actually had done prior to purchasing a house is I work certain shifts in order to make the most amount of money in that short period of time, meaning I did work night shifts. So I did get my hourly rate plus night differential. On top of that, I did sometimes try to pick up a lot of holiday shifts because I got my regular shift, my night shift, and then my holiday shift pay. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of double dipping in a couple of places there to make the most amount in that short amount of time period. And then in result with that extra money, I just reinvested it into the market to gain more with the interest. Yeah, yeah, that's really smart. And that's one of the things that I see people in every position, so including veterinarians as well, where it's like, maybe they'll be making extra money, but they're not necessarily setting it aside and earmarking it for any specific purpose, you know? Yeah, some other things that I also do recommend or have done myself is If you are picking up that shift and you can kind of sacrifice that extra shift money, pretend like you never saw it. Mm -hmm. Put it right into a savings account, maybe call it like your house fund or something, and just hide it away until it's time to purchase that house. Really setting up a budget, I think, is huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. I was talking to another vet about budgeting, which we tend to hate that word in this podcast, but... (laughs) But I was telling them, yeah, anything that hits my checking account, I can spend it. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure a lot of people are that way. So I make sure that a lot of my money disappears before it hits that checking account. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So you have what I feel it's an interesting role at Veg, and it's a talent acquisition and retention manager. What is your role? Yeah, so I interview and speak with a lot of technicians and assistants occasionally doctors as well. And I try to find the best talent essentially for the company, making sure that they're the right fit for us and that they have the skill set that's needed in order to work in an emergency setting. Within that role, also, I do work with our nursing department, you know, and our benefits department to really see like, you know, what do our nurses need in order to survive, right? How do we keep them in this industry? 
And what else is out there that other companies are offering that maybe we're not being as competitive with? Mm -hmm. So what are some interesting ideas to retain the staff? Yeah, so great ideas to retain staff, not only to retain, but for the individual to really take advantage of, we should say, is look at their benefit package. What are they offering to help you succeed, you know, personally, financially? Do they offer that 401k with the match? Do they pay for your CE, right? Are those vet techs, you know, putting that money of their own up front or is the company willing to pay for it? If so, pretend like you never saw that money and put it in a savings account. Some companies will pay for your licensing fees. Some will even offer you equity in the company, which is huge. Equity, especially if it's gifted, it's free money again. And then other things just like, you know, shift differential or holiday pay or other good things to look at or ask for. I really like that you started it with taking advantage of because certainly there's a lot of companies that have this huge benefits package. And when you actually go into the nitty gritty, you know, maybe like 5% of the staff is using a specific benefit. So it's like, okay, you know, we need to offer benefits that people want to actually use. Yeah, yeah. And when I hear those individuals really not taking advantage of those perks, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, it's there, (laughs) use it. That's right. For sure. Yeah, there's perks out there that are not utilized. And you could even consider it when you're comparing one job offer to another, you could even put it on your list of considerations for why you would take one job versus another and assign a dollar value, you know, to what that's worth. Yeah, for sure. Willie wrote a blog about that not too long ago that was like comparing job offers and assigning like, okay, this is how much the 401k match is worth and the vacation and all of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. As far as retention, so we've talked a lot on this podcast about staff retention, but I'd like to hear from you because you've got a unique perspective on it. Which staff do you think are the hardest to retain in vet hospitals? Or you can just say in emergency specifically if you want. Yeah, it's definitely hard to say because I feel like every individual in our industry can get burnt out very easily and overworked. Mm -hmm. So I think it's on a case-by-case basis or company or clinic basis, really. I do think that sometimes, you know, the nurses or the assistants can get burnt out or be a little bit more challenging to retain due to, you know, the juggling of all their tasks that they do have to do at times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a lot to keep track of when you've got multiple hospitalized patients, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. As far as retention, you kind of mentioned a few benefits. And I feel like that's more, at least for you that you work for VEG, that's more on a company-wide level. What about at specific clinics with different cultures? You know, how can you make sure that they're retaining their staff and providing other benefits that the company provides? Yeah, so you're referring to like the perks that they could possibly offer? At the clinic level, yeah, at the vet hospital level, yeah. Yeah, so a great idea is maybe bringing in, you know, a financial advisor or having those consults with the veterinary financial group that can come in and provide, you know, hey, this is what you should be trying to set yourself up with to guide them better. Talking about that budget, right? Even though we don't like that word that much. Budgeting is important. It's just the the word, it turns off a lot of people. (laughs) Yeah, it's scary to hear. 
I like cash flow plan. That's the that's the <laughs> term that I like plan. to use. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. And then let's see. I think it's Ramit Sethi calls it a, a spending plan. So a couple of different ways to think about it and make it seem like it's not so daunting. You also have experience yourself with uh, teaching and being an instructor. Yeah. So I'm also a teacher. And I do teach, you know, everything as far as like anatomy and phys, pharmacology, radiology, intro to surgery, all that fun stuff. But one big thing that I do emphasize on, especially early on in their career, is, you know, financial management. It's called career and financial management, what I teach specifically. And it's teaching them how to set up a money cash flow, right? Or that budget. And explaining to them, hey, this is maybe what your rent or your mortgage is going to be like one day. This is the cost of like a car payment. How are you going to distribute your money so that you can make these payments, but also save for the future or for a rainy day? Yeah. Yeah. And that sounds so basic, but it doesn't happen. You know, I went through undergrad, went through vet school and nobody told me, sit down and, you know, what salary do you expect in the future? And realistically, this is what rent is. This is what a car payment is. And figure out if you can actually live out of that salary, what can you do to better improve your life? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's great to see more young people get exposed to these subjects, you know, earlier in life and see it be incorporated into high school curriculums. And I'm even seeing vet med be incorporated into high school curriculums a lot more than Mm -hmm. I used to, which is pretty exciting too. Yeah, (laughs) It's great for future recruiting, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so let's see. So as far as your two main roles, what gets you most excited on the veg side and then also on the teaching side? Yeah. So I'm very passionate about teaching. I like seeing that spark in my students, like eyes and excitement. But I'm really excited about the pathway that the industry is going in general, but also specifically for nurses, you know, Mm -hmm. coming from someone who is more related to that area. But I feel that the respect is increasing in that area. And it's also being shown that, you know, speaking about money, you know, the salaries are going up, the benefits are getting better for us. Mm -hmm. You know, one company starts one thing, and it's going to become a trend. And then someone else is going to have to be more competitive, right? You know, we're benefiting from that overall. So I'm curious to see what the next five or 10 years looks like, as far as retention and benefits goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'll be really cool to see that. And I'd love to see more studies out there, you know, especially about the nursing staff and seeing how is it affecting retention, just having these better benefit packages out there. And then also in emergency specifically, because there's a, you know, there's more turnover than average. Yeah, no, emergency definitely has turnover more than, you know, primary care, you know, the longer shifts, the nights, the holidays, it does get, you know, exhausting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, again, you interact with students, other veterinary professionals, what's the best financial tip that you have for support staff? Yeah, one, be happy with what you do, right? You're gonna love what you do. Two, know, you know, what's out there really do your market research. Don't accept the first job offer that is given to you. Search up the company, look at those benefits, look at that growth potential within that company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, that's a good you're one. You're speaking my language. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, because I feel like people feel pretty uncomfortable 
you know, looking for what's out there. But if you don't know, you know, what is your expectation really? Oh, this is what my yeah. current employer is offering me. So this is the best. No, there's definitely different aspects. And maybe you go elsewhere and find like, yeah, I actually work in a pretty nice place. So yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. Mike, are you seeing a little bit more out there compared to what there used to be as far as techs and nurses being able to do relief and kind of almost try out what it's like working at different places before they hop from one job to another? Yeah, so I think it's case dependent. New York, it's really challenging to do relief in that sense, just because some of the laws, but there are relief companies out there. New York, we just don't have one. Me personally, I have done relief shifts. I was on a 1099 though, which I'm not the biggest fan of 1099s. That's a whole nother topic. <laughs> so there are, you know, opportunities. You just have to find companies that offer relief. Okay. Yeah. Willie, go oh, ahead. Go yeah. ahead about the 1099s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are not speaking my language on that one. <laughs> I like 1099s. Going back to budgeting, it makes you think a lot more about your money and how you earn it and how to spend it. So I do like 1099 jobs yeah. because it does offer that and you can, you know, provide your own benefits with a 1099. Yeah. So just to piggyback on that, the reason why is my fear is that those don't understand 1099s won't budget the right way, right? Yeah. They just think it's all their money and they forget about taxes. <laughs> And that is a thing we've seen before where somebody said, I did some vaccine shifts and now I own the IRS $5,000. Like, what's happening? And it's like, yeah, yeah, you definitely did not know what was happening when they were paying you in a 1099. That's true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think a lot of, <laughs> like a lot of people have fallen into that before. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so as far as you talked a little bit about how you became more educated on finances, and so what are some resources that you would suggest out there for, like, if you had a support staff member come to you and say, hey, Mike, you know more than I do about money, where can I find resources to learn more? Yeah, so one right here is a great resource. And two, really seeking those people out that are the professionals. You know, maybe there is an advisor within a bank or a retirement agency that handles 401ks, 403bs, IRAs that can also best guide you. Mm -hmm. All right. Any books or podcasts that you would recommend? Yeah. Honestly, I do listen to the Veteran Financial Podcast. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> uh, so that's probably the biggest one that I will have to promote. <laughs> awesome. Appreciate that. Yeah. So what's the best way for our colleagues to get in touch with you? Yeah. So I'm at the vet med teacher on Instagram. You could definitely search me up on Instagram. And, you know, if you have any questions, feel free to message me. All right. Cool. Yeah. I've seen your Instagram. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Okay. And then, Mike, that brings us to our last question. What is your best advice for our listeners? Talk. Talk to everyone, ask questions, you know, don't be shy, take advantage of every opportunity that the company might offer, tuition reimbursement, CE allowance, equity, retirement, and it never hurts to ask, especially if you're early on in your career, ask the other professionals that have been doing it for five to 10 years, 
see what's you know out there or what they recommend for someone just starting out. All right, good advice. Yeah, Thank voice you. words. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Bye. Thank you. If you liked this episode, click the follow or subscribe button. Until next time, take care and continue your path to financial success. The information provided in this podcast is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a legal or financial professional before making any investment decisions.